It's time again for Triple Play. Welcome back wherever, however, and whenever you're joining us. We glad you're along for the ride. It's Russell, Mike Dietz, Mike Cruz, and producer extraordinaire Scotty Hatter. We're here to talk a little sports, and this time, probably the most serious show we're ever going to have as we delve into the state of sports and exactly what's going on with our country and everything else. Gentlemen, how goes it? Oh, I yes, think you uh, said it right, Russ. It's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting discussion, and and at the risk of getting political, right? It's I don't think that we will. I think we've got our opinions on it, and and really, I, I think by and large, it's not even. I don't even think this has to boil down to a political discussion. It tends to stray that way, you know, in the broader discussion. But I think that's uh, almost oversimplifying it, really. So I look forward to discussing this with you, gentlemen. Yeah, for sure. Same same sentiments exactly here, Cruz. I think it's a certainly, you know, the entire sports world is kind of talking about the same thing. I mean, you know, you're talking about MLB, NBA, um, all the way down to tennis and, you know, certainly the WNBA and stuff like that. So it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big story. You know, I was thinking as we were starting to, to kick this around, uh, this is definitely not something I would have imagined talking about 16 years ago. Um, you know, and not that it wasn't present 16 years ago, but just as a, you know, 19, 20 year old kid, right. It wasn't, it wasn't something I was probably even mature enough to talk about. And now, you know, we're sitting here quite a few years later and it's the only thing or the first thing we want to talk about. And, you know, it's, it's life related, it's sports related, but it's, um, you know, it's also real. So I was thinking as we were prepping for, today's show like how far we've come since like gags and making fun of last names like was this is a pretty far cry from some of the shenanigans we used to pull back in the day yeah i mean and we we like to have our fun i mean and that's that's what we are we're buddies we we joke around we've got that relationship and it's interesting to think that today and and whenever you listen to this we're actually recording this on august 28th which is the 57th anniversary of Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And for us, it impacts us. We're sports guys. We've worked in sports. Uh, you know, we went through sports broadcasting classes in school. And so we know kind of a lot about it. But man, Dietz, being in Wisconsin, this is your front and center, man. You you are, for lack of a better term, ground zero as, as far as kind of what kind of kick this off with the Bucks boycotting their game and then the Brewers and Reds deciding, you know, to not play. And so what is kind of the feeling and, and everything up there where you're at? Um, I, you know, quite honestly, it's, uh, I think it's probably the same as where it is around the country. I mean, unfortunately, this is definitely not the first time that we've had something like this happen. Um, it might be the first time that we've had, professional athletes, you know, refuse to take the court or, you know, organize uh, a strike or a protest and, and not play a game. But, you know, I think the, the underlying um, issues with, you know, um, black men being killed um, by police officers and stuff like that. I mean, that's been unfortunately going on for a while. And I think pro athletes have been trying to raise, raise awareness about it. Um, it is a little surreal when it's kind of your team. <laughs> um, I, I admit I'm not the biggest Bucks fan in the world, but certainly when the Brewers called off their game uh, the other day, it was it was uh, 
it was interesting and and you know in the in the interest of of what they're trying to do raising awareness of the situation i mean it it turned me on to kind of what was going on down there even though it's in my quote unquote backyard i you know i've been avoiding the news for my sanity here for the better part of 6 weeks just because of everything going on um in in the year that is 2020 so you know it just i i think it 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 forces these kinds of discussions and it 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 certainly um you know gets people talking whether it's inside the sports world or inside the political world or you know just kind of conversations at the dinner table right and i mean i think that's part of what these guys were aiming to do i'll probably get into what i think the actual aims were a little bit later because i think i have a different take on it than than some other people um but you know yeah it's it's definitely a uh kind of a surreal thing to have it happening close to home i think and i, I think you raise a really good point deets in that the i think one of the main goals is to get people talking about it right I saw a, a really good friend of mine um, who is the producer for the Texas Rangers. Obviously, they did not have a game yesterday uh, because the Oakland Athletics decided that they wanted to also, um, you know, join the protests and show solidarity there. And the Rangers agreed to it. And so they didn't have a game. And what he posted was that um, he went home and his kids were wondering why he was home, right? Why daddy wasn't producing a Rangers game that night, like he was supposed to be. And he took the opportunity to have a conversation with his kids about the whole reason he's not having a game. Right. And I, I haven't had a chance to respond to him yet, but it's like, thank you for that. Because whether, you know, whether we all agree with each other, the fact that you're actually took the opportunity to talk to your kids about the situation gives me some hope for the future. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I appreciate that that's, you know, that's really, I believe a, a big, a big uh, reason why these protests are happening. It's about awareness. It's about having uncomfortable conversations. And, you know, I, I get really frustrated when people like to use the, sorry, just, just play sports, stop bringing politics into this. That, I mean, that's not really how it works when you, when this is your platform, when these athletes have this platform, right. And it frustrates people because oh God, these guys aren't playing. They're just supposed to show up and play sports. Well, guess what? This is their platform. They're you're, you're going to now be forced to have conversations or you're going to be forced to turn off the game one or the other. Right. But at the end of the day, the fact that people are having conversations as uncomfortable and difficult and contentious as they can be, the point is that we're having conversations and I hope that people are taking advantage of the opportunity to talk, whether it's with your friends, with people you disagree with, if you've got kids, if it's with your kids, whoever it may be, please take the opportunity to talk about the subject. I said it's tough. It's uncomfortable. It's not the easiest thing in the world to talk about, but it needs to be discussed. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that. I think, Oh, go ahead, Scotty. I was, was going to say, I can, you know, obviously, well, for you guys, obviously, but for people listening, you never know, but you know, I have an eight-year-old, you know, and he is right at that age where he's prime sports fan. You know, um, we get up with ESPN every day, pretty much like I did when I was a kid. Um, and today, sure enough, right. Um, or maybe it was yesterday, 
he started paying attention to, oh, why didn't the Astros play? Oh, why didn't the Rockets play? Right. Like, oh, I know Chris Paul. Right. What is Chris Paul talking about? Um, and he's, he's just at that age and Cruz, I was just, was having the exact same conversation, honestly. And, and, you know, he's eight, so we're not getting too deep into things. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're having a conversation about like, Hey, these guys took a a risk, right. And they, they, they took a stand, um, and they felt really strongly for something that they believed in. Um, you know, and you know, if nothing else, we talked about the, maybe not responsibility, but certainly the, the courage and I guess the perspective that, that players are bringing to the table here. Um, and I think to your point, like whether you, whether you back the reasoning or not, like for me, the teaching moment with an eight-year-old is like, Hey, when something is, is big enough to where it impacts you in a material way, like whatever ability you have to say something, yeah, do it. And if, if, if the professional athlete's biggest opportunity to say something is attention is essentially to not shut up and dribble. Right. Then I think it's not just an opportunity, but maybe it is almost a requirement, right? Like I'm not in their shoes. It was unfair for me to say that, but I certainly think at some point, you know, what's on the back of the shirt isn't saying as much as maybe not even saying anything. I don't know that that lasts forever, you know, but I, I think that, there's certainly power in, in, you know, putting the hand up or walking off the floor or, or whatever you're doing. Um, and yeah, it, you know, I don't, it wasn't a 20 minute conversation with an eight year old, but it was like, okay, light bulb. We're going to store away that one for later. And we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> well, I was, I was up at FC Dallas on Wednesday night. There was supposed to be a match between FC Dallas and, and Colorado and we got up there and that ma- that match was eventually postponed and called off. And, and it was interesting in the booth. We, we had a feeling that was going to happen because Reggie Cannon is um, kind of one of the more vocal uh, proponents of, of BLM in MLS. And, you know, he um, he was very outspoken when the players were booed on August 12th, when they knelt during the anthem against Nashville, the, the players asked if they could do it. Both ownership groups were okay. MLS was okay with it. They knelt during the anthem. Uh, they were booze, and, and Reggie Cannon, deservedly so, was was kind of you know disgusted and upset. You know, he was thinking that his home fans would at least support him. Well, he got booed. There was trash thrown on the field, and he got death threats. So, so it was freaking awesome. You know, uh, the idiocy that was on display, and 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 Dietz, I believe, was the one that mentioned it. I mean, this isn't just NBA. You know, it isn't just MLB, you know, NHL has done it, WNBA. I mean, and, and they're they're protesting. And, you know, then you've got the Kelly Loeffler situation, which is different. I mentioned MLS and, and now there's, you know, an incident, you know, with the owner of Real Salt Lake. You know, so it, it, it trickles all the way down. Naomi Osaka was in the semifinals of the Western and Southern Open and was willing to concede her match. It, it's different, you know, when you can say, hey, both teams have agreed to not play this game today. Naomi Osaka was willing to not advance. She was willing to give up that chance to play and, and advance to the final. And, and, and that's powerful. I mean, and, and, and that's amazing and it's, and it's great. And, and as we talk about it and we say, you know, uh, it, it's awesome that these athletes are doing this because, you know, it, it's not new 
it's, it just seems that like our attitude towards it, you know, or a lot of people's attitude is to shut up and dribble. Well, well, nobody was upset when Roberto Clemente was trying to help people that had been, you know, disenfranchised by an earthquake and he lost his life uh, on a humanitarian mission. You know, it's not the first time that athletes is, have done this, but it's amazing to see all of the athletes that are doing it across all of the sports. And, and that's what's fantastic. And the, I guess the ironic thing would be when you look back at the first of it was cap kneeling during the anthem. And yet the NFL is the only one kind of not involved at the moment because they're the only one that's not playing. And, and so, but I mean, I know that teams have canceled practices and things like that, but it, it's just, it's been amazing to see, you know, and, and I think to a positive about it is the fact that we've got people accepting it and liking it and paying attention. And I think more people are receptive to it than the naysayers, which that's a positive sign. No, I, yeah, I, I kind of have a different take on it, Russ. I think that, I think that what happened over the last couple of days is actually much different than what has been happening with the kneeling and the t-shirts and what we want to call protests, right? Like that is those kinds of demonstrations are directed at raising awareness to the masses, I guess, in my opinion. Um, I think when you come off the floor and refuse to play a game and, and the Bucks also, you know, um, uh, offered to forfeit their game. Uh, they just, it wasn't accepted. Um, you know, they were, they were ready to call the season, you know, null and void. I think when, when teams are willing to do those types of things, that's more of a message to ownership and it's more a message to the league. Right. So I think in a lot of ways, these players have reached peak frustration levels, in terms of trying to quote unquote, raise awareness through the masses, Russ, I think you're on point where you say, you know, the majority of people probably agree, maybe not necessarily with how things are going, but I think anybody who watches the George Floyd video or watches any of these videos, I think, you know, you're going to get the majority of people saying like, okay, what's going on here isn't right. And that doesn't mean that you, you know, hate all police officers or anything. I think Doc Rivers had a really, really good um, interview. If if anybody hasn't seen it, I, you know, I, I would encourage you to go find it on YouTube and just and just listen to it. I think that, you know, but I, I really do think this was a message to the leagues and to ownership of like, hey, you guys make a ton of money on this sport. Right. And we're the ones that keep the lights on. without us, you don't have anything. And I know that there's going to be fans out there that say, well, they can just be replaced and, and all of that. Well, no, that's not exactly how it works. I mean, you look at strikes historically in professional sports, you know, MLB brought in scabs back in the nineties. You know, the level of play just isn't there. That's why strikes for, you know, employee grievances work, right? I mean, if, if everybody in the league withholds their labor, and suddenly you're having to find, you know, a couple thousand new baseball players and a couple hundred new basketball players to form a league. I mean, that's that's incredibly challenging. So I think this was a message to the league and to the owners that says like, hey, you know, you guys are billionaires and we live in a capitalist country where people with money can, you know, do a lot of things. And, you know, with a group of 30 to 90, if you start talking about all the major sports, uh, maybe even more than that of people with a lot of money, I think, uh, I think 
this was the players saying like, Hey, we expect you guys to start having our backs a little bit here too. Like it can't just all be the players on Twitter. Um, there's before games. I mean, I, I think they're really asking for the leagues to not just quote unquote say, yeah, we support what the players are doing, but then just kind of hide behind the curtain. I think, I think they're asking their leagues and their owners and their bosses to step up and start showing, you know, some of the, some of the things that they've been asking for. And I think, I think that's why it was such a powerful statement. Yeah. I agree. I think something that you have seen start to happen. um, And again, widely reported. One of the leaders here is in your home state Um, coaches, right. Are embracing this now, Um, which is not the same as ownership. I get that, but you know, the evolution from player driven and kind of coach leadership ownership separation, I think that gap is closing. Um, and I think certainly in the NBA, maybe you had, you know, there's American coaches, maybe not as many as there should be, but there's more African American coaches. And so maybe a little bit more solidarity than in some other sports. But I mean, I remember the conversations with football coaches and cap and kneeling and cap, and there was a massive separation. Right. I mean, Bill O'Brien flat said like, no, and now he's fully on board. Right. Uh, That's not ownership. I get that. But the further this can permeate through up through the levels, I think the more you start to get pressure to your point on the powers that be to actually react. You know, what, what's interesting too is a lot of conversations the past couple of days about Jordan's leadership right. To kind of get the season back on track. Um, you know, that's somebody, maybe this is unfair, right. But that's somebody that has historically been fairly quiet. Um, you know, I would love, I'm not saying it's his job, but I would love to hear some vocal leadership, not behind the scenes, but in front of the scenes from somebody like that. Right. I mean, I know he's a small market club, but geez, like, you know, that I feel like would carry, a ton of weight. I think the support that he's shown has been awesome, but you know, I would love to see something more vocal, something more substantial from somebody like that. I don't know again that it's his job, but I think that would be really impactful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good to see. And, and Deeds brings up a good point about, you know, the player saying, Hey, let's not have the playoffs and, and that's as powerful a statement as, as, as the players can actually make. But for the owners to listen, that's a big part of it, too. And I think we see that with the NBA uh, the, more than the other sports, because, I mean, you've got a lot of black players in the NBA and in the bubble, the NBA has embraced it. You know, I mean, you look at the back of the jerseys, you look at everything that everyone's doing. So so I think the NBA is actually kind of the forerunner of the owners showing what can be done when you listen to your players. Now, again, we we don't have an NFL season yet. So we'll see kind of how the NFL owners, you know, move about and move forward. But there's a lot of speculation here because Jerry Jones is him and hawing over what he's is or will not allow his players to do with the anthem. Now, when he had a camera in his face on Monday Night Football four years ago, he certainly knelt arm and arm and all his boys. But let's see what it is now when when the situation you know has exploded like it has. So it'll be interesting to to kind of see that. But that's one of the best things about the NBA is, I mean, they took it, they've listened to players, and they've, they've allowed guys 
where, you know, cause in, in the, in the NFL, you get fined if you wear the wrong color shoelaces, you know, and, and, and stupid things like that. But the NFL, if you go all, or the NBA, if you go all the way back to Trayvon Martin, allowing guys to wear hoodies, the Eric Garner, the, I can't breathe shirts, you know, the NBA, which, and that ownership has to sign off on that to some extent has always been kind of at the forefront of this. And so to see them actually go out and put equality and say her name and no more on the back of jerseys is, is powerful, powerful stuff. And, and one of the things uh, that it's kind of interesting because of COVID with the, with major league baseball, this weekend is quote unquote, Jackie Robinson day. So yesterday or today and tomorrow, uh, August 28th, 29th, sorry, I don't know when you're going to be listening are Jackie Robinson days in, in MLB. And I don't know if you saw this deets, but I was watching, um, MLB tonight yesterday and they had um, uh, they had Devin Williams of the Brewers on mm-hmm. and Devin Williams said that he's never been more proud or felt more a part of the team because they were on board with not playing. And, and he right. said that there's for so long, he's always felt scared to speak out or speak up, but now because of his teammates and because of everything that's going on, but his teammates embracing it, that it's the best he's like ever felt as a professional ball player. And that's amazing and sad at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I watched a little bit of Devin Williams comments and, uh, you know, kind of felt the same way, a little background on him. I mean, he's originally from St. Louis. I mean, so he's, you know, St. Louis is no secret. One of the most, uh, racially segregated cities in the, in the country. Um, so, you know, he's lived a lot of these situations, right? And I think you just, if you open your ears up and you just kind of take in some of the situations that these athletes will explain from their own lives and from their parents' lives and, you know, their families. And um, I, I, I forget who it was, but there was a, a woman on ESPN with Stephen A. And, uh, and one other person and she told a really powerful story as well regarding you know essentially like her dad having the talk with her brother about you know if you get pulled over by a police officer you comply or die and you know i mean that's that's things that you know i i think me being from a small town in northern wisconsin i mean my my father never had to have that conversation with me right i mean i never I never thought about things like that. And, you know, it's just, uh, it is, it's really crazy when you start to just kind of understand what some of these people that, you know, I think everybody considers professional athletes to be privileged to some degree, but a lot of these guys aren't that far removed from these situations. I mean, Devin Williams is 24, 25 years old, you know, he's a rookie. So, I mean, you're talking two, three, four years ago, yeah, he might've been playing minor league baseball, but I mean, he's going back to St. Louis every, you know, every off season. So, I mean, and I think that goes for a lot of the guys in the NBA too. I mean, these are young guys, not very far removed from those types of situations. So it's really easy to say, Oh, well, they're privileged. They're athletes. They can take, you know, they can afford to take a night off. Well, yeah, but I think they're also speaking for a lot of people that they know personally that can't afford to do that. And, you know, I, Again, I don't really necessarily believe that this action was directed towards the masses. You know, I, I think they knew that there was going to be a, a chunk of people that were going to support them and there was going to be a chunk of people that are going to send them death threats. But I really think this was directed towards the leagues and the ownership. And I think Michael Jordan getting involved 
Um, I mean, there's no bigger name in, in the sport of basketball, potentially in pro sports in, in the United States, right. Than Michael Jordan. So, I mean, if, if he's, uh, if he's going to be, you know, essentially brought into not only just support like Scott mentioned, but actually, you know, be out there and be on the front lines. I think that would be an incredibly powerful thing, um, which, which would be very good. You know, the part I don't understand about anybody being frustrated with or discounting protests, you know, cause Deets, you bring up a, a, you've touched on it a couple of times, you know, when you decide you're not going to play, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that, that that is targeted in a different manner right. Than public statements, right. Because you are, you are essentially in in some ways taking yourself out of public eye in a way, right. You're, you're walking off the court. Now you make a statement by doing so, but you are trying to basically say, I want out until what I don't understand about anybody being frustrated with that. We have, we have Disney movies, right. And stories were brought up on, showcasing the power of that. Right. And not to make light of this, but like go watch the movie Rudy, right? Like yeah. they, they for sure I know that that's a, a, a fantasized version of what happened, but like I've been in situations where you feel like your voice is no longer being heard. And so you feel like your only choice is to say, fine, then I'm out. And, and like, this is in no way the same way, but I mean, I played high school sports. Uh, I was the captain of my team in high school we felt strongly that there was a certain player that wasn't getting the right amount of attention from our coach. We walked, we flat walked and we were prepared to, to skip our, our district events, which would for us was the biggest thing we could do because we felt that strongly about it. And to your point, that wasn't directed at anybody else except for our, our organization. Um, and I think it takes, you know, a lot of courage to do that, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a different, a different tax, but something that we, shouldn't be surprised about. Like I was willing to do that to your point as a white kid from a rural town in Texas, like who am I to say that that's not a powerful statement that anybody's allowed to make. Well, and just, and just, there's no, there's no guarantee of how things are going to be received. Right. I mean, the Milwaukee bucks could have walked off the court the other night and been essentially told by the league that they were forfeiting the playoffs and that the Orlando magic would be, you know, advancing. I mean, they took, they took a huge risk. They didn't know if the league was going to have their back. They didn't know if the magic were going to refuse to take the forfeit. They didn't know any of any of what was going to fall out. I mean, they may have had an idea. I mean, they may have had, um, you know, some time to send some text messages to some guys on some other teams and potentially, you know, feel that they were relatively safe, that they weren't all going to be, you know, essentially axed, but, but yeah, I mean, there's a risk in doing that. I mean, and if you don't believe that, I mean, you know, go to your job tomorrow and, you know, convince everyone to walk off <laughs> and see how many people follow you. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge step. And I, I realize that a lot of these guys are millionaires, but it, you know, to, to put your livelihood on the line like that and not, even if it's a small chance that you're never going to play a game in the NBA again, because of what you're doing. Um, you know, it takes guts and, you know, I applaud, I applaud the, the, the teams who elected to do it. And I applaud the league for essentially having their back and, you know, certainly the other sports, um, you know, other teams and everything else. I mean, I think that, you know, that's the, 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 the embracing of what Milwaukee kind of did there at the beginning, um, 
you know, just sports worldwide has been, uh, has been pretty good. And I think too, really, you know, back to the whole like original point about basically forcing people to have a conversation about it. Right. There, I think some of the, some of the teams be it the brewers, um, maybe even the athletics were kind of, they got some criticism for not coordinating with the other teams. Right. Like, all the NBA games that got postponed on Wednesday. Well, now the guys on Thursday are like, well, I guess, well, I guess we can't play or we're going to like look stupid because we're not unified. As far as that goes, these are, these are emotional decisions. So I'm not holding the players responsible to be like, well, we all got to talk about this and have a conversation and figure out what a protest looks like. Like that's, that's not how this works. These are emotional decisions. And so there is going to be a little bit of, you know, just unknown, a little bit of randomness, a little bit of off the cuff about this. That's how it works. And so I don't, I don't want to hold anybody responsible for trying to coordinate a protest. But what I think was really remarkable about it is that once, once uh, the Bucks did that, the other leagues started to see what was happening and not even necessarily a way feeling responsible to do something about it, but just realizing that you've got all of these shows, all of these broadcasts that are scheduled to happen, Sports Center, right? Your your national uh, your national league broadcast, your um, or I sorry national you know national broadcast, not national league, but uh, and your your regional telecasts. If you don't play. They've got to fill that time. Now, maybe your regional you know, networks are going to play replays like they've been, been doing, and that, that might be more impactful to them in a, in a negative way, but your national guys can't just necessarily go away. You know, SportsCenter was on for, for hours uh, on a night where they should have been showing games because they didn't have anything else to do. They, had, they were, in a way, forced to talk about it. And I think that that's also really... Uh, you know, part of the goal of this whole thing and what, what the other leagues and players started to realize was that this is, this is how we can get people to talk about this because you better believe that for, for better, for worse, whether you agree or you disagree, that's all people were going to be talking about the next day, especially in the sports world. And, and even in other, you know, either in other, other news uh, avenues, it was going to be a major topic of conversation. And if nothing else, I, I like said I believe that they achieved their goal to that end. Yeah, Dietz, man, um, you made a great point about guys not being far removed and and different things and how how the police, uh, you know, can treat them. You know, the comply or die kind of thing, and that made me think about what happened five years ago to James Blake. You know, James Blake at one point was the fourth ranked tennis player in the world, and the NYP the NYPD show up and just body slam him to the ground because he was a black dude. Oh, we were looking for a black dude, you know, you know, and, and so, you know, that I I think you hit on a really good point about how even once you made it though, it, it, it doesn't necessarily protect you, uh, you know, and, and so it, it just, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a crazy time. It is a crazy time. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting to kind of see everything that that's been going on and it's just, you know, I don't know, man. I, I hope that a lot of people got their eyes opened 
and a lot of important influential people got their eyes open because as you mentioned deets you, you know the masses probably are already, are are going to be quicker to come around and it's the people that have that influence that that need to make sure that they impact significant change yeah i agree agree i mean i think it's it's time for the people that uh have the ear of their congressmen and have the ear of the chamber of commerce and you know have the ear of maybe even the federal government on some levels um, to really start to understand what is being asked of them. Right. And I think whether or not you, wherever you come down, I, I think everybody can basically agree that, you know, what we have in this country right now in terms of policing isn't perfect. Right. So there's always going to be ways to improve upon it. And we can certainly, you know, disagree along the lines of how we do that. But I mean, I think even if you talk to police officers, they would say that there are problems with the system. So I just hope that, uh, I just hope that, you know, like Russ said, this opens, opens some eyes and opens some eyes of some powerful people that, you know, start to feel like, Hey, we have to step up and we have to do this on behalf of half of our players and our communities, because, um, you know, it's just not, we we just can't continue to have these situations, you know, every couple of weeks, it feels like, and, and to be going through the same conversations over and over. I mean, something has to change. Yeah. Deeds, I think one of the things I'm hopeful for, and, and I agree with you that, you know, change, change is needed. And, you know, it, it really felt like a, a few weeks back or a couple months back that, you know, there was going to be significant change. I, I will say, you know, I, I live in Austin, Texas. You know, they've, they've, they've definitely done some things here that are different, right? There's some spending bills that have gone through the city that have, that have changed some things, um, you know, maybe not given everything, everything they want, but you know, there's, there's things that are trying to be done. But one of the things that we've traditionally looked at sports to do is to heal, right? You after we've seen it after, you know, catastrophic events, right? Whether it be earthquakes in Oakland, right? Or nine 11, um, and in both cases, we took a break from sports and life and everything, but ultimately went back and used sports as a way to heal. This is different. And I, I definitely get that. Um, but I, my hope is that it can still be used as the same medium, right? It's going to be a different way to get that done, right? It's not just a removal or kind of a, a kind of jump back into normalcy or reality. That's the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish in this conversation. But at the same time, sports has historically had immense power to both bring people together, right. And impact conversation, social change, et cetera. Right. Russ mentions Jackie Robinson day. That was a change in social construct. Right. And it happened through sport took way too freaking long, but it happened through sport. Um, And so that's, that's my hope is that, you know, this goes from conversation to impact and that the thing that we love to talk about is something that we can continue to love to talk about, but for a different reason. Yeah. Well, well said, said, Scotty. Well said, Scotty. Um, Scotty, go, uh, why don't you tell everybody how they can find us, where they can find us, everything else. And then we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Yeah. So um, at three play podcasts on all the social media um, platforms, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, three play podcast.com. Um, and, um, you can pick this up now you're already listening, but you can also pick this up on, um, Stitcher, 
and uh, Spotify uh, by either checking out the website, which I recommend you do. Deets has been writing a ton um, on, on the site, um, but also um, you can search triple play sports um, on either Stitcher or Spotify and pick up the podcast. Yeah. Deets has got some really good hall of fame, uh, yay or nay articles. Um, we, we've talked about a lot guys. Like I said, at the beginning, this was probably going to be the most serious uh, show we've ever had. And uh, we mentioned Jackie Robinson a couple of different times. This is being Jackie Robinson day in major league baseball. And sadly enough, Chadwick Bozeman who played Jackie Robinson just died of colon cancer. A lot of people may know him as the black Panther in the Marvel movies, but he I'm reading here online that he passed away. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, what a, what a day, uh, you know, passing away on Jackie Robinson day as the guy that actually played Jackie Robinson. So Hey guys, uh, you guys know, I love you. Uh, awesome job today. Uh, I mean, y- you know, it's always great. Um, you guys, you know, well done cruiser. I know you got one more thing yeah, to say. I, appreci- so. I appreciate it. Really. I was just going to echo your, your comment there. I appreciate that again, really. We probably fall or I think it's obvious that we fall along the same lines here that we're all pretty much in, in unison on this. And so it, it, to an extent, makes it easier for us to talk about it. You know, it's, it's that uh, not really an echo chamber, but you know, you're hearing, you're hearing the things that you agree with. I do hope that people are able to still have conversations with, with those that they don't necessarily agree with, that they don't completely see eye to eye on the subject, because if, if nothing else, if we're able to have those conversations and come out of this, you know, just with a little bit more awareness, with a little bit more empathy, I think that's going to go a long way to, you know, allowing everybody to, to feel more comfortable, to be able to feel like you can live your life, you know, in an equal manner to everybody else. And that, yes. And that, you know, selfishly, we can, we can get back to having, having some fun and and talking about sports as they play out. But I do think it was important that we had this conversation. Um, It's just as bad to ignore it and to try to just talk like nothing's happening um, to this end. So I'm, I'm very appreciative that you guys were willing to have the conversation. And, uh, I definitely look forward to, uh, to, <laughs> you know, talking about sports again, actual action on the field and the court, you know, and seeing this meaningful change come about. All right, guys. Well, Hey, uh, like I said earlier, wherever, whenever, however you're listening to us, we appreciate it. As Scotty mentioned, check us out at Three Play Podcast at all the different uh, social media things you can think of. And we will be back with you guys soon. We appreciate you being along for the ride. We'll see you guys next time.